The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever it is that you are coming from in the world. We're glad that you're joining us here on The Career Confidant. Today is our anniversary, three years doing the radio show, The Career Confidant, here on Voice America. So wanted to give you a quick tips, quick tips from my favorite shows over the past three years, the ones that I feel like provide the most value to you in your career and moving you forward with your job search, your career advancement, leadership skills, or perhaps even your entrepreneurship. So starting with one of the first shows that we did three years ago with one of my colleagues, Chuck Hancock, talking about goals, resolutions, and mindfulness, and got a well-timed, well-written email in my email box uh, about a week ago that said, put down the kale, stop meditating, and read this. And of course, I stopped to read it because well-written and well-played in terms of what typically happens to us in the new year, we make goals or resolutions that don't really align with our current state. They are a huge leap and, and jump off of where we've been. They're not thought through and what? how are we going to actually integrate these changes that we want to make into our life? So, you know, if you have never even tried kale and you're setting a New Year's resolution to eat more of it, uh, may not be a a fruitful venture for you. And we do the same thing to ourselves in many different ways with weight and exercise and eating right. We set goals that are, are too hard to attain and therefore typically by this time, now it's the 16th of January, we've already let go of those resolutions and goals and decided that we're not going to do anything with them because we can't achieve the monumentous uh, goal that we set out for ourselves. So consider setting goals for yourself differently. Consider thinking about how you might create a, a goal that makes sense for you. I tend to think about goals more in terms of actions rather than our, our 
commonplace name, our commonplace definition of goals to think about maybe there's a future state that you want to be at your current state where are you now and how can you make steps that make sense towards that goal that you are aiming towards and in that process you usually figure out that there are steps you can take. There's some practical things that you can do. And those little successes along the way are what keep us moving. This is what gets most people in weight loss. Our goal is to lose a certain amount of pounds a, a week or, or what have you. And depending on the way that we do that, it's not always how it works. If you're going to start exercising, for instance, you're going to gain some muscle mass and you're not going to lose weight as quickly as you think you should. And so because that was your your goal and you're not seeing the results, you stop doing everything altogether. Perhaps a more appropriate goal would be to eat healthier or to eat fewer calories or something that's more tangible and you have more control over. And the end result will be that you'll lose weight eventually, but you won't be focused on a, a number that when it comes right down to it, you may not have as much control over as you think. In a career space, this happens with us when we think about getting a promotion or perhaps even a new position. That is a big goal. And some of that we have control over, some of it we don't. So we'll break it down into the actions that you have control over. One of my favorite thoughts that I've heard over the last few years around goals is that we tend to put ourselves into undue stress and cause stress, which causes all types of disease, of course, because we imagine a, a future state that really we don't have any control over. And then we stress out in trying to achieve that future state when perhaps it really isn't isn't even the best thing for us. So for instance, you you may think, oh, I need to get this promotion by this date. And you set that goal and you kill yourself to, to reach it when really that promotion isn't what will be the best for your career anyway. And if we could set goals that are more process-oriented, more action-oriented, the opportunities that fit can evolve and that doesn't mean that we don't have a vision of something that we're working towards, but we allow flexibility, we allow opportunity to enter into that picture and don't get so focused on an end state that may or may not actually be what we think it is. So highlights from goals, resolutions, and mindfulness. To practice mindfulness in terms of your everyday, are you being how you want to be every day? Are you acting in the ways that you want to act? Are you acting in ways that are congruent with your vision? Because those are the things that we can control every day as we work towards a vision. And are you allowing some flexibility and opportunity to play into how your your final vision will look versus trying to be too controlling, which of course is just going to cause more tension and stress than is positive and helpful. Next favorite show comes from 
our our time. We've had a few shows where we've had Melanie Lynchy come on, and she is a resume writer, LinkedIn profile writer, tons of creativity that she brings to her craft. And one of the first shows that she did with me was about having some personality when you connect on LinkedIn, i.e., please stop using the canned request for connection through LinkedIn. LinkedIn continues to make it more and more challenging for us to do this because it's so easy to click the little connect button. And as soon as you do that, especially on your phone, off goes that generic request. And people are not spending as much time on LinkedIn. People are more careful with their LinkedIn connections. And so you're going to find that if you're using that request, you're no longer going to be getting response from people. It's just the way that it's going to roll out. The time that you take to create a personalized request for connection may or may not actually be read because they're also making it a little harder to read what that is in terms of your your connection request. But for people who are paying attention and are being careful with who they connect, if you aren't sending a real message of why you want to connect, how you might know this person, how you might benefit from a connection, you're not going to be accepted. So take a few moments. If you're on your phone and you go to the LinkedIn app and you go to try to connect with someone or you're on someone's profile for with whom you, you think you might like to connect, look around, see if you see three little dots, three little, three little vertical dots. You can click on that and it'll give you the option to to sit, submit a personalized message. Now, of course, the system keeps changing. So as it changes, you might have to do a little research, just a simple search in Google to figure out how you can continue to use your phone or whatever it might be to do a personalized request on LinkedIn still makes a difference. It, it does do a much better job of actually building a relationship than if you are just hitting that connect button. Even if that person hit, hits accept, they're not paying attention. You really haven't gained anything unless you reach out. Part of the other conversation that we talked about during that show was exactly that. And we just talked about it again with Teddy Burris, not not even a month ago, perhaps, of when you do connect with someone on LinkedIn, take that opportunity to reach out to them and start a conversation. Take that opportunity to actually build a relationship. Because if you're not going to do anything with that LinkedIn connection, it really isn't doing you any good. So if you're going to take the time to research someone and think they look interesting and connect with them, follow through and actually start that relationship. Similarly, if someone asks you to connect and you think it makes sense to do so, respond after you connect with them. And same thing, 
give them a message. Hey, it's nice to meet you. Would love to learn more about what you do. Would love to learn more about why you're interested in connecting. A phone call, 30-minute phone call to to touch base and and start our network connection. That's how networking really happens. That's how relationships are built. And vice versa, and, and maybe even a better use of LinkedIn is to use it to connect with people that you've connected to in person and then stay connected with them. So you meet someone at a conference, go on LinkedIn, connect with them there, and then stay connected. Share articles that are of interest with to them. Notice when they're having some kind of a uh, life event that LinkedIn will prompt you about. And don't just hit the like button. That's minimum effort, and it's better than nothing. But if you really want to maintain a relationship, reach out and actually start a conversation. My pet peeve, as we talked about with Teddy, was the birthday, and everybody sends you happy birthday, and they're just hitting the button that sends you the message LinkedIn prompted them to send. And it really is just junk mail. So if you want to maintain a relationship with someone, you may notice it's their birthday, I would recommend reaching out maybe even a week later and saying, hey, I saw it was your birthday last week. Hope you enjoyed your day. Did you have, you know, how are things going? And actually start a conversation. That will move you so much further along in the process than hitting the, the little like button, easy as it may be. So, those are two of our old show's favorites and top tips. We are going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll go through some of the other favorite shows from the last three years and give you more actionable tips you can use to improve your job search, leadership development, career management. So we'll be back in just a few minutes. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Technology is moving at a rapid pace with so many innovations, new ideas, and improved applications. One thing that hasn't changed, though, is real estate. But will it? The Future of Real Estate with host Jessica Stoner will share with you the minor adjustments and the major disruptors in the future of real estate. Modern advancements are changing how we work, where we choose to live, and affects how our homes and communities will be built. Homeowners, buyers, sellers, and investors can tune in every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. If you are in the sales field or maybe don't even know that you are, you need a plan to be successful. Every day we are engaged in business and don't even realize that it all comes down to sales. 
We all have something to say and need to motivate others to the same way of thinking. Sales Execution Optimization, the new SEO, is the show that gets you thinking and speaking whatever the product or service. Host Bill Bush will give you the tips you need to succeed. Listen every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we're going through highlights of our last three years as this is our third year anniversary of the show. So we talked a little bit about goals, resolutions, put down the kale, stop meditating and do do actions, take actions that are a good fit with you, your personality, your, your practical being and will actually move you towards your goal. Then we talked a little bit about having some personality when you connect on LinkedIn avoiding using that generic request for connection, figure out how to make it work on your phone, on your laptop, whatever you're using, so that you can adjust that message before you send it to the person you want to connect with. Beyond that, consider how you can actually reach out and start a relationship with people that you're connecting to, whether you're sending that request or you are accepting their request. It's a tool, and if we use it, it can have some great, great potential for our career development, for our networking, but it is not magic. It will not magically result in a a greater network, a promotion, a new job. It does for some people, but most of the time those people are working it more than uh, they may even be able to explain to you. So we did a whole host of shows throughout the three years where we talked to employers, recruiters, or folks who were formerly in that space about how do you work with a recruiter. If you're job seeking, if you're interviewing, what's going on on the other side of that table? And I am seeing just some negative things coming out right now from some very prominent experts around how in today's market it is a job seekers market and you pretty much have license to be rude to recruiters if they ask you questions or I've seen articles calling recruiters names because they do things a certain way someone is an idiot Let's get over the childish stuff here and just get down to brass tacks. Recruiters are people. They have a job to do. They have learned what works for them. And sometimes they're just like the rest of us and not quick up on the uptake when things are shifting, perhaps. Or, you know what, they may not be as hard up for talent as we think they might be. There are pockets of talent 
where there's more people than a, a job may need and there are pockets where jobs are still really hard to fill and so we can never tell if we have the upper hand as a job seeker and can you know have that attitude with a recruiter the other thing i would say is that they're people and they have feelings and they talk to each other and it will not always be an employee's or job seeker's market in any industry. So those bridges that we burn today by being unnecessarily rude don't do us any future favors. So as we think about a recruiter and how we might want to re- interact with them, we want to consider their perspective as appropriate and think about where they might be coming from. So the trend still is that recruiters on the whole, maybe less than it used to be for sure, but don't want to interact with someone who is quote unquote un- unemployed. Now, does that mean that they discriminate against people who are unemployed? No. However, branding yourself as unemployed is not a that's not a brand, right? A, a good brand is this is the value that I can offer. This is the skills that I bring. This is the the past accomplishments that I do have. Those are the stories we want to tell. So I really can't fault them for not wanting to go after someone who is branding themselves as unemployed or seeking other opportunities. When you are talking to a recruiter on social media, we want to think about just in any other like in any other interaction, how you can add mutual value. You want to think about how would you approach that person at a, at a networking event in person. A lot of what gets us in trouble online is that we do it differently than we would do if we were meeting them in person. You wouldn't walk up to someone at a general networking event, right? LinkedIn is not necessarily specific for jobs, so we, we can't really treat it like a job fair. But at any other networking event, you wouldn't walk up to someone and say, hey, would you hire me to work at your company? That wouldn't be your opening line. So it really shouldn't be your opening line on LinkedIn. Don't need to beat around the bush too much, but you want to have a, a open approach, genuine interest in the other person, in their company, a curious approach, and always looking at how you might add value to them. Are there other people that that you might connect them to? Is there other ways that that connection can be mutual, mutually beneficial besides them hiring you? And recruiters are interested in talent that fits their little box, right? And we can't get too caught up in if we're not fitting into their box at the moment, and we're not hearing back from them, it may just not be a good time, we may not fit into their current box. If it makes sense, we can follow up again later. But usually the three strikes, you're out kind of rule that if you're following up and you're not hearing back, they're just not that into you, right? And that's okay. We can go find other connections that are a better fit and do have something of value in mutually, mutual value in connecting. One of the shows we did in the past with Wayne 
talking about interviewing, and Wayne was a former recruiter, Wayne Mitchell, who now does coaching for executives and outplacement. And he talked about the employer side of interviewing. And if you want to click back and find the show, it was in October of 2014. And really brought a different aspect to the whole interview preparation and, and story than I hear usually from my my career colleagues, if you will. Typically, you'll hear someone talk about when you tell a story in an interview, you want to think about the challenge, action, result, you know, what was, what was the problem or challenge or opportunity that you were overcoming, what did you do, and then what was, was, what was that result. And Wayne took it a step further, having you share what you learned from that experience and then tying it into how it meets that employer's needs, either through a question. So if you're not sure how it might meet their needs, it's a great place to ask a, a more knowledgeable and insightful question or through a statement if you do know and have learned throughout the interview or, or process that they are looking for something in a specific area. So an example might be, that they're asking you about, um, tell me about a time when you created a, a system to manage contacts. So whether in your sales or in a, any kind of recruiting type of role. And you might tell a story about a, a time that you developed a process, whether that was in Salesforce, let's say it was in Salesforce, you developed a process to better track those opportunities coming in. And, you know, the challenge was that the company didn't have one, give a little bit of detail around that, your actions, the details that are appropriate around that. And then the result need to have an into the story as much as possible. And then, you know, what I learned during that process was that I could learn a software all by myself, whatever might be appropriate in that segment, and then tying it back to their needs. So if someone in the interview process has already said that they're looking to implement a new Salesforce program, there's your in to make a statement about that. You know, I'd I'd be excited about the opportunity to use what I've learned to help you with your implementation or to perhaps ask a question. I've heard from some of the other interviewers that you're looking to implement Salesforce and and ask a great question depending on the person that you're talking to. What pieces of it will be they will they be implementing it? What's their timeline? Ask a question that can show you have some insight around that and create that more 50-50 conversation between you and the interviewer. And, you know, typically we only talk about lessons that we've learned when someone asks about that specifically or about our weaknesses. And the ability to learn, the ability to do critical thinking around what your gaps are and how you fill those gaps is something employers are always looking for. It shows that that self-awareness and the flexibility and lack of ego in being able to see that that's an issue and, and 
address it. There's a lot of great things that come out of telling someone what we've learned. So I love that little nugget. Not a, a huge thing, but a little nugget there from Wayne that we can be doing differently when we're interviewing. Also talked to Thea Kelly uh, several times, but one time she came on the show and talked about visualization and interview visualization, and that was in April of 2015. And Thea talked about, just like any great athlete and speaker and a lot of other performance types of situations, where visualization is so powerful that we can really think about how we're going to be successful in that event. We can picture ourselves saying the right things. We can visualize the process as well as the reactions of the others in the room so that when we step into that situation, it's not as novel. It's not as as big of a deal, if you will. So a great nugget there from her around visualization in your interviewing before you go and can work in lots of different settings if you are giving a presentation if you're going into that review meeting with your boss how do you want that conversation to go how can you use the power of visualization to get prepared in a deeper way than just questions and answers and and rote memorization of things you might want to say. So we're going to take another short break here, come back and talk about some of the big tips that we've had around interviewing, or sorry, around resumes and marketing yourself, and then finish up our show today talking about leadership and other great insights for your career management. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune into Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel, and get Amplified. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. 
It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. tuned into the career confidant with marie zimanoff if you have a question or comment for marie or her guest today please call 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you may also send an email to marie at a strategic advantage.com now back to the career confidant Welcome back to The Career Confidant. Today we're going through some of the highlights of our show. For the past three years we've been doing this show and wanted to give you some of the the highlights, best tips that you can use to improve your career, job search, leadership development. So we've done a lot on the show around branding and resumes, interesting, you know, the the wheel always keeps turning and things come back up. And looking back at our, our show from 2014, yes, you need a resume and it needs to be good. That is still true. I just had a career professional write me today and say, you know, you're doing this training on resume formats and just seems like that would be unnecessary in 2017. But the research that we read and the research that I'll be sharing in this session for career professionals shows that on the whole, and a a large whole, we're not just talking barely over 50%, but recruiters are still looking at resumes. That may not be the first way they find you. They may find you on LinkedIn. They might get your name from a referral. Those are the best case scenarios. But when it comes right down to it and they're going to hire you, they need a resume. Yes, there are a few companies using LinkedIn profiles, but LinkedIn profiles are not meant to be hiring documents, right? They're fluid. You could go on and change your LinkedIn profile at any time. And I could not say through my Equal Opportunities Office or my Ethics Office or my legal requirements that you legally said that you had a degree from here or that you, whatever it is of those legal requirements, that is not going to fulfill that. And so, and passing that on to the other hiring members of a, a committee or a hiring manager chair is messy. It's hard to print, which most people you say, well, they're not going to print it right. That's true um, for maybe 50% of folks, but there are still a lot of organizations that are going to have a very typical hiring process, old school maybe, where they're going through and really looking at the the resume. 
So when we think about and when we think about what we want to have when we hire someone, it's still a resume. And so if that's what I'm going to be passing on to the hiring manager or that's what people are going to be looking at when they interview you, it still needs to look good. It still needs to sell you. It still needs to tell that story. And so when we are creating that resume and we've had quite a few resume experts come in on the show and talk about it's really about the story of your value. Gone, Long gone are the days of job descriptions on your resume. So duties and things that anyone could do, things that anyone in your job would do, that's minimal on a resume today. It's really the stories of how you added value. Those challenge and action result stories we were talking about earlier it's very brief stories of the uh, like those on your resume. It's highlighting the areas where you're you're different, highlighting the experience that is a direct correlation to what the employer is looking for, and highlighting any accomplishments that share how you've added value in the past that will align with how that future employer is looking for you to add value. Beyond just the value of this piece of paper, which may someday disappear for something else, there's the value of you knowing who you are, what your key highlights are in terms of your skills, your accomplishments, and how those relate to your audience. That is this idea of of branding that you know kind of gets picked up and then put back down out in the in the media, but it's never going to go away, no matter what people call it, because the idea of you knowing what you want and how you add value in those types of roles and how to communicate that to an audience in a way that meets their needs. That is at the core of of branding, and it's at the core of really any good communication, whether it's marketing or a resume or even you talking to your husband, wife, spouse, child at home, knowing what you want someone to do and what you need and knowing how to ask that in a way that it can be received, right? That's the basis of all good communication, And so the process of developing a resume, the process of creating your story, both written and and then in the interview, is going to always be of value. And a resume makes you do that in a very targeted way. You've got one page or two, depending on your level and job aim. And so you have to be very focused and create a document that is clear about how your skills are packaged and what value they bring to the audience who is reading. So when we put those pieces together and we think about, okay, this is this is how I'm going to look on paper and this is how I'm this is how I'm going to go forward towards to an employer. That is the 
idea behind a resume and whatever the medium is that may someday shift, although from what I can see, most employers are still requiring a a resume at some point in the process. Even when it shifts, the idea behind that isn't going anywhere. And so when we think about what do we need to advance in our career, whether you're job seeking or looking to get a promotion where you are, if we don't know that, who we are, what do we stand for, what do we want to be known for, and who's our audience, and how do we communicate to them and be visible to them in a way that matters, we're going to have a hard time getting where we want to go. Because if we can't tell people where we want to go, they can't help us get there. And if we can't tell them why we're going to be of value in that new position, they aren't going to help us get there. That piece of, of resumes and branding isn't going anywhere. Now, Dick Bowles came on the show, and in Dick Bowles is the author of What Color Is Your Parachute? Been around for many, many editions of that book. And he came on and he talked about this Google first or, or digital first trend and that is definitely true that your resume will not be the first people first thing people see about you however in the digital world these underlying concepts of you knowing who you are what you want to be known for and who you want to know you are even more critical because of all of the noise so if i go on and i'm searching for john smith if john smith is not very clear especially if his name is John Smith, about what he wants and who he is, I want to pull up a million John Smiths and not know which one is him. But if I know that John Smith is an engineer, and even better, he's a mechanical engineer, even better, he's a mechanical engineer that specializes in natural gas technologies, right? When you have built that brand to the point where it's very clear, if I went on and searched John Smith mechanical engineer, natural gas, if you're out there doing things to build your brand, you'll show up. If you're speaking at conferences, if you are if you have a, a strong LinkedIn profile that uses keywords around, focused around your brand, yes, it's not your resume, but the ideas that are required to write a good resume are going to make or break your digital first visibility. And when I go onto LinkedIn and I search, of course, we we know those keywords are so important. We know that when I go to Google and I search that LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube are going to be the top links that come up for most individuals depending on what they're doing. And so how are we using those other mediums to support our brand, to build our brand, to build our, our digital first reputation? And yet we still have that resume, especially for job seeking or even looking for a promotion so that we can build that story in a way that an employer needs us to. And probably the best thing you could do for your career management, for your brand, is to keep track of those success stories. There's nothing harder than working for a company for four or five years and 
you're going to get a promotion and they need a resume or you're going to apply for a new job and or even you're going to go back and work on your LinkedIn profile if you don't have those stories if you can't get specific about projects that you've led and value that you that you've brought you're going to have a hard time no matter what the medium is you're going to have a hard time communicating a story that entices others to take action. And that's really what we want to do with any of these documents is, is being intriguing and persuasive in a way that because we're sharing a specific value that we've had in the past, which most hiring managers think is the best prediction of your future value, and we're sharing those stories that are aligned with the future employer's need, when we do that, we we stand out. And whether we do it in an interview or on paper, that's our, our goal, our challenge, is to be specific and compelling in a way that we can drive conversation, drive action, drive connection. So we're going to take one last break here. Come back. We're going to talk a little bit about leadership, career advancement, and the ever-increasing role of personal management of your career, and few tips for moving forward in 2017 in taking control of your career. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are 
tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant, and today we've been going through some highlights from our past shows over the last three years, celebrating our three-year anniversary here on The Career Confidant. So we've talked about goals and LinkedIn, interviewing, talking to employers, how do you talk to a recruiter, and then a little bit about branding and your resume. So what about leadership skills? And it's really no secret that one of the trending skills for leaders promoting, getting promoted, and even landing new positions is the elusive emotional intelligence. And so emotional intelligence really is our ability to build relationships, communicate, manage our own emotions, and when we think about those things, they're simple, and yet they're probably the most challenging skills that any of us learn in our lives. And perhaps they're the most challenging because they aren't objective. I may think I'm a great communicator, but if you aren't on my level, or you know we're not on the same page, whatever you want to say, that it it doesn't matter how great I think I am if you're not responding if you're not if you don't think I'm a good communicator and so when we think about our leadership and we think about leaders in general it's those skills really to be able to adapt to someone else's communication style to recognize when our emotions are getting in the way One of my favorite books we went through early on in the show, uh, Malcolm Gladwell's What Got You Here Won't Get You There. Basic idea of the communication and leadership in that people don't want to be told what to do. It's true of our children. It's true of those we manage. It's true of ourselves if we are real to with ourselves no matter what age we are we tend to think that all oh, the other generations are bad at that but no i i would it's every generation i've worked with nobody likes to do what someone else told them to do just because they were told to do it and so good leaders bring that emotional intelligence to a place where they can adapt their communication style, so realizing where the other person is coming from, realizing what the other person values, and bridging the gap. Of course, we're not going to deny ourselves. When we do that, usually it ends up building up and we have a problem later because we've played the victim. So we're communicating and adapting and bridging, and we're actively engaged in the process of what's working and what's not working. And this goes full circle back to our conversation around mindfulness to really be aware of how our communication is impacting others 
how we're being perceived and what we can do from our adult place in terms of improving that communication. So taking responsibility for ourselves and and one of my colleagues, Deb Westcott, who is highly trained in emotional intelligence and emotional intelligence coaching, she talks about being aware of when our feelings are, are bigger than us and really taking the time to acknowledge that, recognize that, step back and act from a place of recognizing those feelings. We're not going to to set them aside necessarily, but we're going to recognize them and process them into our our action instead of reacting from them. We also talk about that that process of of relationships and putting relationships in a place of of importance in our daily work. Not going to get anywhere sitting behind a computer and crunching data. We're not going to get anywhere, quote unquote, putting our head down and and doing great work. That's part of the equation. But if we're not building relationships with others, we're not demonstrating our ability to do that, we're going to have trouble. And if we're not building relationships with others who are going to help us, in our career, we're going to be in trouble. So this brings us to one of my favorite shows, and I did this a little while ago. I I sometimes sit back and wonder at our vilification of sales. So we have made sales into a dirty word. We have made sales into something that is... Um, a bad career move, talking to one of my clients recently who was saying, you know, I went into sales and everyone thought that I was a horrible person. And then uh, if you were on the show a few weeks ago, Don Don Zhu said the same thing. And all of us are in the business of influencing others in some way. Where we fall down is when we make this a negative thing or when we actually make it a negative thing by manipulating others. Influence and manipulation are not the same thing. Influence means that I've built a relationship with you, a real relationship with you, and have the opportunity and the skill set to tell you a compelling story of why you should join me in doing something. It's, it doesn't have to be a negative thing. It's our opportunity to get people to move, to make action, to drive change, to do any of those things we have to be able to influence. And when we make it a dirty word and we make it a less than skill, we really do our Selves a large injustice. And most of why we have a dirty word of sales is because we're used to people doing it in a manipulative way, of trying to sell us something we don't need, of being pushy, inconsiderate. And that is not good sales. And that's not what we're talking about here. When we think about a good salesperson, someone who has good influence, They take the time to understand what the other person needs and wants. 
then they think critically about whether or not what I have to offer meets that need. And then they tell about their solution in a way that aligns with that person's need and provides an opportunity for them to ask questions, engage in the conversation, all of, all of good conversational tools. That is one of the reasons that, although it's odd and people don't think about it, but counselors make great salespeople. Why? Because when you strip away our false understanding of what good sales is, good sales really is counseling. To understand somebody's need, to understand what they desire, what their future state vision looks like, and then help them move towards that future state. Most salespeople who are paid by a company have a hard time acting in that role because they've got to promote what the company wants. But good salespeople understand that they could even connect someone to a competitor project, product, right? There's a lot of ways that they can add value while still being a good salesperson for their company, for themselves, having a good heart and a good intention and meeting their other person's need. So I hope you enjoyed some of our highlights from the past three years. Next year, next year, next week, we'll be welcoming Deborah Feldman back to the show, one of our career thought leaders, and she'll be talking about networking purposefully. So we look forward to seeing you next week and helping you network purposefully towards your next career move. We'll see you right back here next week on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.